The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Uh, so very excited to get into the, uh, the word this morning, as we always are. I want to trust and believe God for great things. Uh, we always do that. So I want to ask you a couple of questions as we get into the word. Do you feel a little quiet this morning? It feels quiet. You know, I don't know if what, what might uh, be the case there. I could tell you for me, some are out of town. Some are, are still distancing. And, and there's just it's just kind of an odd uh, weekend when you have a holiday weekend. You have... Uh, 2020 going into 2021. If you're like me, you expected 2021 to just be a complete turnaround from 2020. That's been a bit of a letdown. It's kind of like 2020 extended into 2021. You got more of the same things. So there's a lot of things that are going on that we're dealing with. And I want to encourage us as we get into the word today to realize our place in the current days. And, And I think that's an important thing. I mean, when we become Christians and we come to church, it's very easy to be a part of the body under a sense of obligation where we come here, we listen to a message, we sing some songs together, and, and the box is checked off. And I want to tell you, uh, this is a confession. I mean, this is many, many years ago. I uh, was living in a, another city here in Texas, and we were participating at a church that had multiple services. And I remember making a statement. Now, this is a confession, okay? I mean, obviously, if you have anything that you can throw at me, Please don't throw anything at me when I say this, because it'll it'll be, uh, you'll you'll hear it, uh, and you'll know what I'm talking about. I was having a conversation with my wife about the church, about which service we were going to attend that week, because there were multiple services, and and as we were having that conversation, I said something, and as soon as I said it, I I, I was grieved. It was was a bit of an eye-opener. And, and it has really uh, uh, been with me ever since that. Uh, so we were talking about church, what service will we go to? And I said, well, let's go to this service and, and we can get it out of the way. Yeah, so I mean, that's where you just like, and Jesus wept, right? It's like, come on, you can't. <laughs> but, but what I remember thinking was, man, I am, I am a, a, a dynamically born-again Christian delivered from all kinds of bondages and baptized in the Holy Ghost on fire for God, and yet I just said that, which tells me that can happen to anyone. And, and I, I look at that, and I see that happening in our culture uh, severely, where, where, where many are, are turning to uh, other uh, 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 avenues of, of connection if they do exist, through the internet, through, through television, through all kinds of media outlets. And I look at this and I think, you know, where's our place as, as the body of believers? And I, as we get into the word today, I think we'll, we'll see that we have a very important place. And so I want to look at a few things that we're going to find as we get into the word. I encourage the taking of some notes if you, if you have the ability to do so, because I believe God speaks to us. I believe he speaks to you personally and individually. And and much like uh, this morning during praise and worship, you know, Pastor Jared, as he's leading us in worship, he may feel the Spirit move on him and he begin to sing something completely spontaneous that's not on the, the screens or, or not, not in his uh, uh, rehearsed uh, content. And, and as you're listening to the Word, 
God may stir in your heart a word that, that's either for you personally or meant to be shared with the congregation, and it's good to be equipped to, to make a note of it so that it's not lost. So as we get into the word, if you're taking notes, these are a few things that you can look forward to. If you want to write them down, you're welcome to. Uh, one, why we don't have to be afraid. Why you never have to be afraid. Now, there's a couple of uh, uh, reasons in the scripture, and they're all absolutely correct. We're going to see one of those reasons, so it's, it's not ultimate or absolute in its, its place in setting us free from freedom, but yet it is effective in setting us free, excuse me, from fear, leading us into freedom, but it's definitely in the word and effective. So another thing we're going to find is uh, what we were and what we are now in Jesus. Now, this is for everybody. No matter what your background is, no matter what your testimony is, we were something and now we're something else all because of Jesus. And it's a, it's a very powerful transformation. In fact, one might be able to say it's a night and day difference. And we'll see that in the Word. And then a third thing that we're going to find is what brings glory to God. We all have a, a passion and desire in our lives to glorify God. And as we come together in church services and we, you know, put together, you know, the, the worship team and begin to, to sing and celebrate together, uh, that definitely glorifies God, but yet there's a passage of, of Scripture that we're going to see that reveals that glorifying God is much more than the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning. And I want to make sure that we see our part in bringing God glory uh, through our everyday lives. I, I want to get into the Word right here. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Psalm 27. I want to look at verse 1. So what we have in our lives that protects us from fear, why we never have to be afraid. If you have your Bibles and you turn to the book of Psalms, you'll get to uh, uh, 27. We'll look at verse 1. Now the psalmist is writing this, and he makes this declaration under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He writes this truth. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord's the defense of my life, of what shall I be afraid or, or what shall I dread? I see this passage of Scripture, and it stands out to me for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, from my youth, this passage of Scripture was set to music, and, and it became a, a part of, of my life as a child. I remember hearing it as the congregation would sing it, and now it is, is in my mind and it's in my heart. In fact, there are times where I'm dealing with, with trials or hardship, or, or even facing uh, scenarios that would, would tend to produce anxiety, in this passage of Scripture will come to my mind first in the form of song, because I remember hearing it as a child. But I want to offer these thoughts to you as we look at this passage of Scripture, the importance of how God is manifest in our lives and what the result is. The result, obviously, is this, this reality check. What do I have to be afraid of? I mean, why am I afraid? What should I be afraid of? Now, that's the result. Now, the, the reality that's being realized or that's being affirmed here is who God is. He is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation or my deliverance. So why then should I be afraid? If we take a look at this scripture and just begin to ponder it and think about it and, and let, let our thoughts stir concerning this, we can come up with, with a number of things that are worth pondering and worth contemplating. I mean, one, that it's just interesting that God's being identified as our light is what has this uh, result of being free from fear. 
I mean, it, it doesn't say that God is my courage or that God is my source of bravery, therefore why should I be afraid? You know, it doesn't say God has, you know, a, a, a truck full of ammunition and a gun safe full of guns, so why should I be afraid? That's, that's the Texas version of this message, you know. But it talks about God being our light, and therefore, why should we be afraid? So I, I look at that, and I begin to ask myself, well, what, what does that mean to me? What should that mean? Well, there's a couple of thoughts that come to my mind, and I want to just offer them to you. Now, these are the result of reading between the lines a little bit, but I think it's worth sharing. One, that, that, that fear is something that occurs in dark places. I mean, if God responds to fear in your life, if he gets rid of fear in your life, if you are given a reality check that God is your light, therefore, why should you be afraid? That tells me that fear thrives in darkness. And then I start thinking, well, well what's darkness then? You know, I mean, why, why is it that darkness would be a place where fear would thrive? I, I remember back to my childhood being a little bit afraid of the dark. And I had an uncle who wanted to help me with that one time. He, he told me, hey, uh, if you'll go down in the basement without turning on the light, uh, I'll, I'll give you, and he pulled this little Darth Vader Star Wars character out of a shoebox. Today it'd probably be worth like 10 grand, probably. I, I really wished I still had it, you know. Uh, but but he, and I, I wanted it, and so I did that. I, I braved the dark. I went down into the basement, and I stood there, and, and I don't know why, but I shut my eyes. I mean, it's already dark, but why would you? So there was something about that, that darkness that, that produced this environment for fear. So when I kind of look at that and begin to think about that, why would that change anything? I mean, why would that create anxiety in me that would lead to fear? Well, I would have to think that not being able to see is what kind of opens the door for, for fear. Not knowing what's coming is what opens the door for fear and anxiety. That starts to make sense to me when I consider my life, whether it's you know, marriage or, or family or whether it's business or, or any aspect of my living, the unknown produces an opportunity for anxiety. And so God's responding to this. I think there's this compassion and this understanding as a father would have compassion on his children. God responds to this open door for anxiety that exists in darkness by sending us light. Light so that we can see, so that we don't have to be subject to the unknown, so that our lives are not led by mystery, rather our lives are established by truth. As Jesus enters into the world, the Bible makes it very clear to us that he is light and that through him, grace and truth are realized. Truth being what's to come. No matter what I face, no matter what I deal with, I can always trust and know that Jesus wins. That the battle belongs to the Lord, that victory is inevitable, that no matter what, his kingdom is an unshakable kingdom. It will never pass away. A better way of saying that is he will never pass away. Kings lose their thrones by having lost wars or by losing their lives and passing away over time. Jesus will never lose and he'll never die. He rules and he reigns forevermore. And all of the righteousness and all of the justice that is the result of his kingdom is the light that illuminates my life and closes the door for anxiety. 
No matter what I face, no matter what I deal with, I have light in my life that Jesus will win. The Lord is my light and my salvation. What do I have to be afraid of? I want to give you a passage of scripture from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. I want to begin in verse 2. Now Isaiah 9 is a declaration, a prophetic declaration of the coming of Jesus. The fulfillment of the scripture and and the establishment of of our Messiah and Jesus. And it reads like this. A people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark place, the light will shine upon them. And it says, you, referring to Jesus, Jesus shall multiply the nation. He'll increase their gladness. They'll be glad in his presence as with the gladness of the harvest. Now, I come from a farming background, so I know what that's like. You've worked very hard, and you're reaping the benefits of your hard work. And it's a real celebratory time. It talks about seeing Jesus in his light as being a time of great rejoicing. And it goes on to say that Jesus will break the yoke or the burden off of their shoulders from their oppressors as at the battle of Midian. Uh, if you're not familiar with the history there, the Midianites were, were an enemy of the people of Israel and they were really a harassing enemy, kind of cunning in the sense that they would strategically time their attacks to times of prosperity. Have you ever just felt like in your life, it seemed like, wow, we were right there on the edge. We were just about to break through. Things were just starting to look up, and then, wham. That's the Midianites. So if you are grading, you know, uh, uh, villains, these guys would grade pretty high in the sense that, you know, they, they weren't dumb. Not that you would want to give any glory or credit to any kind of of villainy, but these guys were smart enough to let someone else do all the heavy lifting. Let's let the people of Israel do all the field clearing. Let's let them, you know, bend their backs to move all the rocks out. Then let's let them, you know, push those oxen and plow that ground. Let's let them sow their own seed instead of invest in seed, and then let's let them do all the cultivating, all of the weed plucking, and all of the watering, and then right at harvest time then, let's go in and let's take it. Let's let them do all the heavy lifting, and let's steal the reward. That's the Midianites. And so what we see here is God is revealing to us the difference between darkness and light. He's revealing to us that those who live in darkness that are always having their harvests touched or stolen or affected will no longer have that be the case. But rather than sit in darkness, a great light will shine upon them. A light will be present in their land and it will be liberating. It will result in celebration, celebration of receiving the harvest, all that you've worked for and all that you've labored for, actually seeing the fruits of your labor, the benefits of your hard work. And it's going to be a party. And it will be the result of having that oppression lifted off of their shoulders. The word there is is broken or shattered off of their shoulders, just like at the Battle of Midian. So as we see this wonderful uh, passage of Scripture here, you can even go further and deeper into it. Now, the individual that, that defeated these Midianites, you can turn to the Scripture, obviously is an individual that's a great hero in, this, in the Word, but is a, a figure of Jesus Christ. And in fact, light very much was involved in that win and that victory. 
So you continue to see God reveal throughout the scripture these examples to us that are not meant to just be good reading, but rather they're meant to be confirmation upon confirmation upon confirmation that God is very interested in bringing victory into your life, into my life, into our lives, and he does so through the light of Jesus Christ. I want to give you a couple of passages of scripture here. Uh, One from the Psalms. Concerning light and, and, and its origins and its effects. Psalm 112, verse 4. Psalm 112, verse 4. It reads like this. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. God is gracious and compassionate and righteous. So when you read through the Psalms and the Proverbs, it's very important to take your time to examine the words, to read and reread, read forwards, read backwards. Uh, the risk that we run when we read passages from the Psalms and the Proverbs is that they become uh, as effective as a bad fortune cookie, where they're just kind of blown through and thought, well, that's nice. You know, I mean, metaphorically, like chicken soup for the soul, so to speak. But if we take a moment and we look at this, you can see there's a lot of content that can be examined. I mean, you have one sentence, but yet every single word is absolutely powerful and necessary to understand. One, that God's gracious, compassionate, and righteous. I mean, he's doing these things in our lives because of who he is. That's really important to understand. That no matter what, even if these things be conditional upon our attitudes or our actions, they're not earned or achieved because we deserve them. They're present because God loves you. He wants to be so gracious and compassionate towards you, and he's displayed there's no end to his graciousness or his compassion by offering up his own son, Jesus. He could offer up nothing greater. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. Well, that's worth breaking down and taking a look at. That being upright in heart is the difference between being stuck in the dark or walking in the light. It begins to make sense to me why God would look upon the heart. And I have to ask myself, what does that mean? I mean, what would it mean to be upright? I think it has a lot to do with with your intentions. That there would be a desire to be in pursuit of the will of God. That the blessing that God would promise to our lives is one that's bestowed upon those who are are hungering or thirsting, as Jesus would put it, for that blessing. When Jesus would say, blessed are those who hunger, for they'll be satisfied, or blessed are those who thirst, for they shall uh, drink, these are promises that are conditional upon those two elements, both hunger and thirst. And in this case, we see light rising in the darkness and rising for a specific group of people, and that specific group of people is the upright. The upright. Now, I've never been more upright in my life than the day that I gave my heart to Jesus. The day that I quit making the choices and decisions out of selfishness and rebellion and acknowledged my need for deliverance. In that moment, motives, intentions, purpose, my heart moved from being corrupt to incorruptible, upright. Light arises in the darkness. I look at that and that makes me feel good better about situations and circumstances that I deal with. I mean, for a lot of believers, the concept of of light being present is that you'd never, ever be in the dark. 
And that would cause me to feel alienated because there are days where I find myself in a dark place. I have to capture my thoughts because anxiety is is creeping in. Or I have to reevaluate a situation because it's not moving in a direction that I believe is godly based on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But what we see here is something that should be encouraged, that light arises in the darkness. You realize what that implies? It implies the presence of darkness. And that's where light then would rise up, where light would be manifest. And I think it's important for us to see that and be encouraged so that we don't think that we're uh, inferior or that we failed because there's some place in our life that's not illuminated, that needs light, that's currently in darkness. I don't feel like I've failed because I have anxious thoughts. Rather, I'm aware that those anxious thoughts must be surrendered to the light. That light might rise up and overcome them. Psalm 97, I want to look at verses 11 and 12. Light is sown like seed for the righteous and gladness for the upright. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. I look at this passage of scripture and it inspires the thought that light could be sown. Now I mentioned to you before that we would identify our our role and the days that we're we're walking in and living in. And I can see that Jesus has done so many wonderful and powerful things in my life and in your life. And I want us to consider the idea that the light that sets us free from anxiety and fear, the light that causes us not to be in a place of mystery or, or chaos, but rather illuminates the world around us, that light is something that can be invested If light is sown like seed, then I want to receive as much seed as I possibly can, and I want to be a sower of that seed in the lives of those around me. The words that I speak, the actions that I perform, the thoughts that I think, all of these things carry the seed that is the light. Jesus talks about sowing seed as he talks about the word of God being delivered. And all of that seed being sown is meant to produce. I want to show you what it produces. We'll find it from the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read a a, a rather lengthy passage here, but but it's going to pay in the end. As we get to Ephesians 5, we'll probably see about 14 verses or so. But I I want to read through them because they, they open with this call to be like God. Be like God. It opens in verse 1 with this this call. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved. He gave himself up for us as an offering, a sacrifice to God, a fragrant aroma. Then verse 3. But immorality and impurity and greed must not even be named among you. It's not proper for the saints. And therefore, there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, uh, which is not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that, that no immoral, no impure person, no covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Uh, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now verse 7, where things begin to take a swing, and it's worth really making a note of the difference. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. 
For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. The fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Trying to learn what's pleasing to the Lord. And don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it's disgraceful to speak of these things which are done in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. And everything that becomes visible then becomes light. And it's for this reason that it's written, Awake sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ Jesus will shine on you. That's a really powerful passage of Scripture. Now sometimes when we read in that kind of quantity, it's very easy for the words to begin to run together and we become overwhelmed by the volume. That's one of the reasons why I encourage note-taking. I think it's a really great uh, passage to read in your own time, to just simply sit down and, and, and ask God, Father, by your Spirit, will you reveal to me all that I need to see in these 14 verses of Scripture? And trust and believe and know that God, as a good heavenly Father, will lead us and guide us in the things that we need to be raised up in. But this call to look like God, to be imitators of God, involves us being no longer in darkness, but being in light. That light that's sown like seed produces fruit. And that fruit here in Ephesians, I believe it was verse 7, is that it is, is goodness and righteousness and truth. And that goodness and that righteousness and truth that you find there, it's not verse 7, it's verse 9, is the result of that light that's been sown into our lives. That light then not only being sown, but being allowed to take root, being allowed to grow, being protected and cultivated. And then once it produces and delivers, the harvest is goodness, righteousness, and truth. All things that are revealed to this world through our attitudes, our actions, and our words. It's a wonderful thing to consider what all God has brought into our lives in Jesus. I mentioned to you, you know, the, those things that we would find in the Word. We found one there as we found what we were and what we are now in Jesus. Did you catch that? As Paul's writing here to the church at Ephesus, as he's writing to the church here in Abilene as we read it this morning, what we see is he says, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Notice that he doesn't say that you dwelt in darkness or that you were in darkness and now you dwell in the light or you are in the light, but rather he says you were darkness. Your attitude, your actions, your words, no matter what, they were unfruitful for anything good. But now, praise God, in Jesus, you are no longer darkness, but you are light. Your life, everything that makes up who you are, all because of Jesus, brings that which sets free people from anxiety and fear. It brings the goodness, the righteousness, and the truth that we can stand upon in the midst of, of chaos and disorder. The idea that Jesus would come and deliver these things is confirmed in the Gospel of John in the first chapter. I want to read this passage to you as a, 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 an encouragement. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, I want to read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being 
that has come into being. In Jesus was life, and life was the light of men. And light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not victor over it, does not comprehend it, does not win. Everything that we see concerning Jesus coming into this world is so that our lives might be illuminated, so that darkness will not prevail. We've made this statement before in the past when we've discussed light, and and I'll make it again this morning. I mean, the reason why you can see me standing up here, the reason why I can see you seated where you're seated is because the lights are on. But we could also say it like this. The reason why you can look up here and see me and the reason why I can see you where you're seated is because the lights are winning. The lights are beating the darkness right now. That's why we can see. I want to keep reading from the first chapter of John there. I want to go to verse 9. It's describing Jesus. The true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. The world did not know him, but he came, and through to his own he was not received. But as many as received him, he gave to them the right to be children of God. That means look like God or imitate God. Even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh or the will of man, but those born of God. It goes on to verse 14 and says, The word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. That same glory abides in you and in me as we abide in Jesus Christ. This world sees Jesus in and through you. That light is not simply meant to simply illuminate your lives. Rather, it's meant to light the fire that is in you that would illuminate the lives of men and women around you. Jesus came in and ministered, making the declaration, I am the light of the world. But as the anointing began to move into those who would call upon his name, just as the word declares there, as many as received him, he gave them the right to be the children of God or have the same DNA as God, so to speak, to those who could imitate God. He gave those who were called on his name, who received him, the right to function as children of God. We now, as Jesus would look upon us, says you are the light of the world. I'll give you a couple of passages from the Psalms here. Psalm 18, 28. You light my lamp, O Lord, and you illuminate my darkness. Psalm 36, verse 9. With you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. In Psalm 56, 13, you have delivered my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I may walk before the Lord in the light of the living. I mean, all of the light that comes into our lives through Jesus is meant to result in wonderful and powerful things taking place in and through our lives. These things are meant to be the evangelism that spreads throughout the world. There's nothing wrong with with having uh, 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 church meetings and and tent meetings and revival meetings and handing out tracts, but your everyday life is meant to be powerfully evangelistic. 
the things of God being multiplied within you by the light of God being sown like seed into your life and the result being a harvest of goodness and righteousness and truth is meant to have an effect that brings glory to God. I mentioned before that we would find what glorifies God or what brings God glory. I want to find that here as we begin to close. Matthew chapter 5, I want to look at verses 14 through 16. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is speaking, and I'd like for you to take this personally, as if Jesus were in the room speaking it directly to you. The first word that we read here is the word you. So as if Jesus were standing present, speaking directly to you, the words would be, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket, but rather it's put upon a lampstand and it gives light to all of those who are in the house. Now let your light shine in front of men in such a way that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father who is in heaven. What an encouraging word to hear over your life straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ. That you have this purpose, this purpose not just to survive, not just to, to make it, but rather this purpose to make provision through your choices, your decisions, your actions, your attitudes, the things you will do, the things you won't do, that our lives are meant to illuminate those around us, not in secret, but rather on a lampstand. God is putting his sons and daughters on display. And he's putting us on display for a reason, because the blessing of God on our lives, the harvest that results with our choices and our actions, the goodness, the righteousness, the truth, is evangelistic. And when God puts those things on display, it's in such a way that many see those good works and glorify God who's in heaven. I desire for my life to bring God glory. I desire for the lives of the congregation and believers to bring God glory. I love that we come together and get into the word together and praise and worship together. I think nothing could be more biblical than celebrating as the congregation, the body of Christ. I can tell you that we have a purpose and a role individually and as a congregation in these days. And that purpose and that role is to be light to be light on a lampstand, to understand and know that my choices matter, my decisions matter, how I handle this situation matters. I may not know who's looking, but they're looking. I may not know who can see, but they can see. And the way that I handle this right here is either going to bring glory to God or it's not. And I am light in this world. I am sent into this world anointed, bought by the blood of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Ghost to bring glory to God through my choices and my actions. Put me on a lampstand. That's the call of God on your life and my life. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. The greatest lie that we could ever buy into is that you're just a face in the crowd. I mean, it's really important to understand your, your value and your worth in the eyes of God.
to come into an awareness that, that me right here, all because of Jesus, all because of the, the, the sacrifice made on, on, on my behalf, all because of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost upon my life, I'm the greatest threat to hell since the resurrection. My choices matter. My words matter. There is an influence upon my life, whether I see it or not, that is meant to be revealed to all of those around me for the purpose of drawing them to God. For you as an individual, the greatest lie you could ever buy into is that you're just a face in the crowd. Nothing could be further from the truth. You carry the light that is meant to illuminate this world. The light that drives out anxiety and fear. The light that when revealed produces goodness and righteousness and truth. Everything that Jesus came and sowed like seed into your life is meant to be cared for, tended to, cultivated, and then harvested so that this world can be satisfied with all that is the kingdom of God and turn to glorify His name. Your life is powerful. The choices, the decisions, the words, how you respond to every situation and every circumstance is absolutely powerful. And the world is watching. I want to pray for us this morning and I want to ask God to do something fantastic in our hearts and in our minds. One that we would begin to value our purpose in this world, that we would see we're called to be light. And then two, that we would take upon ourselves that awareness and that we would accept it so that we would stop stumbling onto success and stop accidentally being light, but that we could be intentional. To light that lamp and have it placed on the lampstand is a very intentional act and God is intentionally lighting the fires within you to put on display. So if you would, I want to ask you to join with me in that prayer. You can be in a state of agreement or you can simply be in a state of receiving. But I want to pray and trust that the most powerful and effective minister in the room is the Holy Ghost. And he's present right now to have an impact on our hearts, how we feel, how we perceive, on our minds, how we think and how we behave. And that we can be transformed for the purpose of bringing God glory with every choice, every action, every word, all the decisions that we make. There where you stand, I'd like to, to pray. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you that we needn't be afraid. That you are our light and our salvation. We receive these words as more than simply poetry that would encourage, but we receive them as your identity, your role in our lives that you have chosen and you have bestowed upon us as you have received us as your children through Jesus. Will you open our eyes and increase our awareness of the worth and value, the purpose and the intention that you have upon each of our lives? And let that call to be light in this world be received. Let it be received with zeal and celebration that we would know the worth and the value that you've placed upon us is not placed upon us in vain, but that every word we speak, every choice we make, every decision that we face is an opportunity to see your kingdom expanded. And let us choose light. Let us cultivate those seeds sown in each of us through Jesus, those seeds that produce goodness, those seeds that produce righteousness, those seeds that produce truth. Let those things be cherished and embraced and let the harvest be plentiful. We thank you for calling us to light. 
for shining your light upon us. And we thank you that you would make us to be light. And let our prayers be given to seek after how we can manifest that light in such a way that those around us see it and glorify your name. Let our lives be given to everyday evangelism with every word, every choice, every action. Let us stand out against the darkened world as the light of the kingdom of heaven. We bless your name and we give you thanks for all that you've done on our behalf. Be glorified as we live our lives as light in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.